Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Jane Allen is the author of Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Jane Allen is the pen name of Janique Seeley, a graduate of Duke University and Harvard Law School. An avid traveler, she speaks three languages and has visited five continents. Drawing from her unique experiences as an attorney and entrepreneur, she crafts transcultural stories that touch upon contemporary women's issues, such as workplace and career dynamics, race, fertility, modern relationships, and mental health awareness. Her writing echoes her desire to bring both multiculturalism and multidimensionality to a rich and colorful cast of characters inspired by the magic uncovered in everyday life. Black Girls Must Die Exhausted is her first novel, which she calls the epitaph of my 30s. It's part of a three-book deal and also was just chosen as the inaugural book club pick for the Target Diverse Voices book club, which is so exciting. A proud native of Detroit. She currently lives in Los Angeles. And by the way, if you have heard about Zibby Books, my new publishing company, she is our VP of strategy and community and is helping us build up that business. So I have a vested interest in Jane's success and I adore her. 
Welcome, Jane. Thanks so much for coming on. Moms don't have time to read books. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Your book was amazing. You have such a backstory. <laughs> I inhaled the whole thing. It's called Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. And it's part of three, right? Yes, yeah, so it's gonna it's a planned trilogy. Wow. Yeah. So tell listeners what this part one is about. Sure. And how this whole series came to be. Okay. So this is Tabby Walker's story, and she's 33 years old. She finds out that she has premature ovarian failure. Like we meet her on her worst day. Okay. At her most vulnerable. She thought her life was going according to plan. She had it all figured out. Uh, excellent. Jo- her job of her dream. She's a local reporter in LA, the coveted position. She has you know, the boyfriend that she thinks she wants to be with the partner that she wants to have. And she just, she just thinks she's doing it. And then she has this news all of a sudden that just kind of tears everything apart. And she has to reconfigure her whole life from there. And in the process, she finds out that she's been living a word, you know, and I think so many of us kind of sleepwalk. We think, oh, we've done our checklist. We've got it figured out. And we don't really realize that in the midst of all this, we're living, there's a word we're living, you know? And so this is this woman at this young age, 33, her opportunity to figure out, oh my gosh, the word I've been living is exhausted. And that's not the word that she wants for herself. So we go through this story and I'm, I'm so excited that it's a trilogy because I really get to spend time with her and in her life and meeting her friends and family as she tries to reconstruct or redefine that word for herself and really find happiness. So there's a lot of layers in that, in her story, being a professional woman, being a contemporary woman in, in contemporary relationship space, also the layer of race. She's a black woman or living the experience of, of blackness in America. And her grandmother is a white woman who's her closest relative. She's a complex family dynamic. So there's, it's just a an opportunity to examine relationships and this woman's journey of defining herself in the midst of challenges, everyday life challenges. And the exciting part of the story was to find the magic and the courage and the and that self, that journey, almost that fantastic hero's journey in the context of an everyday life. Wow. And so you wrote all three at once? I didn't. So I let them kind of evolve individually. So I'm now currently, as we're releasing this first book and writing book three, it's, I know I've written the last (laughs) words of book three already. I know where it lands. I'm so excited. But this, in this journey, this is kind of where she first sets off on her adventure to, to kind of redefine her life and, and sets off in this undefined space. And I knew that I want, that it would be a trilogy, kind of a three-part journey. And so it was, it's, it's great to have that space to let the story just breathe and evolve and you get to really get to know her and she's got really colorful friends. And I feel like I already know her really well. I'm like, what's going to happen to everybody in the next couple, right? I mean, because you really like we, and you do it kind of slowly, right? Yes. And not very obviously, right? Like you just like scatter in all the facts as we go about like, you know, her dad and how her dad, I mean, I don't, I, now I never know what to give away. You can give away the, I mean, the the first part of it. Yeah. It's okay. And how her dad had left her mom, but her dad's mother was white and he, her, her mother was black, but then the dad leaves the 
black mother to then have a second family with a white mother. And then, of course, makes the daughter feel, like, highly conflicted about everything. And the mother. And, oh, my gosh. So you have, like, all this stuff. And you have, like, relationship, like, cop relationship issues built in. And promotion issues. And, like, affirmative action-ish type Questions, yeah. questions that come up. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? And infertility and relation. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like you fit everything in, and yet it was so paced, like at a fun. It still came off as like a fun read, almost, yeah. even though it had such deep issues. I well, that's life, right? Yeah. So I wanted it to feel like you just met the best friend that you never knew you had, and to have this vulnerability with a person that you haven't earned yet. So as a reader, that's what we get, right? So that was what I wanted to give the reader, sort of this this friendship and vulnerability with the protagonist, Tabby, that you really haven't earned, you know, you but you get it. Yeah. And then you get to have the experiences of the lessons that she learns and this kind of voyeuristic bird's eye view as her her life has all of these, you know, sometimes funny, sometimes tragic, sometimes just like what just happened moments, but you get to learn along with Tabby. So I just, I wanted to write that because that was what I wanted to read. You know, that would be a book that I would finish. And so that was what I wanted to give readers. Well, that's like all you can do as an author, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know. You have to just write. There's no other way to do it. Like you have to amuse yourself or right. make yourself laugh or like, nope. You know, it's possible nobody ever reads what you get, what you write. Exactly. You know? Like if you're not amusing yourself, forget oh it. Oh my gosh. When I was writing, I could not wait to finish. I Sometimes I would read back what I wrote in a day or there were scenes I couldn't wait to write. There's a scene where Tavi, who's black and her grandmother, who's white, mm-hmm. talk to each other about what does it feel like to be the race? Yes, I wanted to bring that up. I'm glad you mentioned that. That was the hardest scene. I couldn't wait to write that scene. I couldn't, because I had the characters, I knew the characters, I knew their voice, to put them in that moment and yeah. to see what they were going to say, because I've never seen that in life. Yeah. So I just wanted to see what that was going to be, and I couldn't wait to read it. So, and I couldn't wait to write it just so I could read it. But it was, it, it, that's what writing it felt like for me. And so it was, it was challenging, but... The heartbreaking part really about that scene was when the grandmother is like crying because Tabby asks her, like, well, would you get, would you, how would you feel if you had gone through life black? And she was like, well, first of all, I probably wouldn't even still be here. Yeah. And second of all, like, no, I don't think I would choose that for myself. Yeah. She says it to her granddaughter. Right. And that's a lot. That's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a deep scene to write and, and to really try to put myself in those characters and even thinking about it as an author you know, you can't answer that for everybody. So it had to just be really, really true for those characters. Because it's such a deep question and we don't have a lot of reference points for it in our everyday lives. So yeah, it was it was just, it was such a beautiful space to watch them interact from. And yeah, I, I just, I love both of them so much. Oh. <laughs> even though they don't exist. But. Me too. No, I felt like you did. And I'm glad you even used the word scene because that's how... It came across like it was a very visual book that like, here I am in the car with her, like here I am at work as she's just getting in there and like looking a little frazzled, like, you know, here I am at the hair salon with her friend, like everything had such a sense of place. Yeah. And like, you could just see it, which I love because that's like the key to emergent. I feel like it's like putting yourself in those in her shoes, literally. Yeah, I I tried to do that. I mean, I I do think in terms of scenes Mm -hmm. and I write in terms of scenes. So I have an outline and then I think about 
the scenes that this person's going to go through that make up the story. So I do, I just think that way. Yeah. So I actually, I, uh, no, I just wrote this memoir. It's coming out next July. Oh, and I literally, with my editor at the beginning, I was like, I have to do this in scenes. Yeah. That's the only way I can think about it. Oh my God. It's, it's crazy, yeah, right? No, you get, but you understand. Yeah. And yeah. then literally yesterday, this friend of my husband's was asking me, he's like, wow, a whole book. Doesn't that seem like overwhelming? And I'm like, well, you have to break it down. Like what if yeah. you had a hundred scenes? What if you had 60 scenes? You could write a scene, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you just keep doing that. Yep. That's so. exactly what I do. Anyway. And then I sew it together like a quilt. Yeah. <laughs> the good thing is, too, is that sometimes, like, a lot of books, even the more literary, right, they just, they play with time so much. Yeah. So it's a scene. It's a scene. You don't even have to stitch. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you can just, like, throw them like little frisbees yeah, and see where they land. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So that's the fun so part. So funny. And I couldn't tell if I was rooting for her and Mark, for Tabby and Mark. I just oh, couldn't right? tell. I'm like, do I want them to end up together? Do I not want them? Did you have a view on this? I... Yes and no. Like, I, I really just wanted to be authentic. I think we don't often see these complex male characters or who also are struggling with who they are mm-hmm. and and how they want to show up in a relationship or how they're or being challenged with how they are showing up and having that unpacked for the reader. You know, let's think a lot of the times we just get this sort of leading male who's, you know, supposed to be this romantic interest, but it's so complicated. Yeah. And then, like, in life, it's so complicated. So... It was really fun. I didn't know where it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And and for that relationship, I just wanted to be authentic. And I knew readers were going to have an opinion one way or another. So, you know, I'm always, I'm rooting for Mark just as a human being. Yes. Like, be a better man. Especially you know? <laughs> when you, like, showed us his backstory and, like, why he's having commitment issues. Like, then of you, like, empathize. and you're Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, well, but still. Yeah, exa- but still. But now that I know there are two more books, I'm like, well, maybe he reappears. There's hope. There's hope. You never know. We uh, Look, there's always hope. <laughs> you're, like, controlling the entire narrative. And we're, like, hoping for this guy. Yeah. But, you know, you're, anyway, it's hope. Well, I yeah. mean, you know, my characters, I really do. I love character development. That's my favorite thing. And I really try to, so like, stitch in the texture of reality and so I try to give them autonomy even though I'm I guess the puppeteer but I don't want to feel like the puppeteer I Mm -hmm. want my characters to be so strongly developed that they can literally dictate who they are in a scene or in a narrative so I'm setting the scene I'm putting them into you know positions or in the story but I do feel like my characters are are setting their own direction or it's their words. It's, it's their persona. So, you know, for Mark, like, I don't know where he's going to go. I'm, I want him to be a better man, (laughs) you know, but we're, we're going to see, we'll see where he goes. Wow. There was also a lot, I feel like one of the themes was sort of infidelity, right. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you can stay committed and from the friends, from the family, like it kept popping up. I was like, are you trying to figure something? Are you like playing with this? Like, are you working through like how you, how do we feel about it? Like what causes this and what are the impacts and all of that? I just felt like that was another pervasive. Yeah. That's interesting. It probably, I feel like as a writer, your characters can't learn lessons that you as a writer haven't already learned, you know, and that you can put them on a journey and then maybe you guys learn together or you, you know, you, watch this character go into this space. And I think where we are right now in society even, and we're re- we're reconfiguring and, and examining everything. Mm-hmm. So I guess relationships, they're not as defined and they're not as, as 
you know, absolute as they used to be. So I, I, I guess maybe that is a theme. I, I've tried to make it a, con- a novel about contemporary times yep. and the issues that women and, you know, in particular, Tabby is the vehicle for this face that have, you know, that we have to, the questions we do have to answer, especially as we look for fulfillment, which I think all that's a human compulsion. We want to have fulfillment. And what does that look like? You know, and, and that was also why I wanted to have her grandmother and then Ms. Gretchen, yep. you know, that older generational perspective, I think it's kind of important. Mm-hmm. We don't see it a lot in, in novels, you know, about younger women, but I wanted to add that layer because I do think as we try to figure out fulfillment, life is finite and what's going to matter. You know, that, that fact that it's finite makes the things in it matter. I you're like preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> This is like amazing. (laughs) Yes. And when you get that sense in fiction that everything becomes like crystallized. Yeah. Everything is like sharpened. Yeah. It's like you're taking it off portrait mode or something, right? Exactly. Going right into the like, you know. Wait, so we were talking earlier, first of all, that Jane is not your real name. Yes. So I don't even know who you are. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I know you have a different name, which now I can't even, what is it? Janique. 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 So why, why do you use a pen name? Because when, so this was my first fiction foray and I was petrified, to be honest. I I just was petrified in in all respects. I was petrified and moving forward with a novel. I'd never written fiction before. I was petrified calling it Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. I was like, oh my God, it's so provocative. It's, you know, I just was, I like, I, I don't, but I felt like it needed to be done. And the only way I could do it, and at the time I was, working in an executive, very demanding. Yeah. Position. We're going to go back to your career because yeah. <laughs> I still don't understand how this even came up. But And I, I just didn't want to let fear govern what I was going to do. So I said, if you need to, I, when I first came to LA, I took a few acting classes. I took improv and I took a acting class just because I wanted as a lawyer, I was a, at, working as a lawyer and I wanted to get more connected to my myself. And so I did this. And in one of the classes, the instructor told me, Richard Lawson's his name, sometimes you have to change your name. And so a lot of times actors will have, you know, screen names and, and whatnot. And mm-hmm. that gives them the courage to go forth and take these roles and be somebody else that they have to, to get it done. And I just had that in the back of my mind. So when I was afraid about doing Black Girls Must Die Exhausted, I just remembered that like, sometimes you have to change your name. And so I did. I, <laughs> I gave it. myself a name that was close to my, I mean, people call me Jay and, you know, so Jane is a name that sound, it feels me. And Aline is my middle name. It's my grandmother's first name. So that's where I got that concept from. And so Jane Allen is a version of me that I, it allowed me to move forward in spite of being afraid. I love it. So you, we were talking about your background. You went to Duke and Harvard law school. You started in the music industry. Yes. Next thing you know, you're working with like Lady Gaga and Prince and Stevie Wonder and like ridiculous. (laughs) And now, and then you ended up at Universal Music Group. Yes. Yes. How, where did the writing piece come in? You know what? I've always written. So, and you know, you don't know what's your calling or your passion because sometimes we're not conditioned to pay attention to ourselves. And I know from even being a kid in my spare moment, I would write when I was in law school and I was bored in class, I would write song lyrics or I would write, I'd be writing. I always write. If I have something I need to figure out, I'll write a list. You know, I've yeah. always been writing. 
And even when I was working in the music industry, which felt like my dream career, in meetings, I would write. In my office, I would write. And so at one point... Remind I thought, me never to be in a meeting with you. I you will be like writing a short story on the side. Now I, I know. know. Be but forewarned, everybody. I know. If you see me writing, yeah, I'm probably You're writing. not taking I'm notes. not taking <laughs> I know. I shouldn't tell people, but yes. I, you know, but so, but I, at some point I started paying attention and I, and I, cause I didn't believe I could do it. And it, it just wasn't, it hadn't been presented to me in that way. And I hadn't been focused on it and, but it just wouldn't go away. Even in spite of all this, of all, you know, what I thought I was living my dream. And I did, I lived several dreams, but this wouldn't go away. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I think what for black girls, what really made it happen was that I felt I saw a need and I wanted to make a change. I wanted to do something meaningful. And it was the best gift I could offer of myself. I, I always thought that people put the best part of themselves in books. And so that's how I always viewed it. And that was my, the best gift I could give. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So were you still working? At Universal was, Music Group. No I, no, I had moved on to, I was working in a startup. Okay. And it was very demanding. It was 150 miles a year, 150,000 miles a year of travel and, you know, 80 hour weeks Whoa. and all kinds of stuff. But I started thinking, gosh, I don't have time to read. <laughs> and so I was like, well, if I'm going to write a book, I want it to be something that I would read even in spite of this feeling of not having time. So it has to be meaningful. It has to be entertaining in a way that is really going to make you, you know, invest and, and enjoy, but also not like you lost hours at the end of it, that you gain something mm -hmm. that it, and that's why I'd say I want it to stick to your bones or you, you gain a lesson out of it that gives you a way of understanding the life that we're all living. You know, that's what I was hoping for. And I think, with my work, that's what I'm going to keep doing, trying to answer tough questions and explore 
what the society and, and life that we're living. And so are you still at the startup? No. no okay. So you, this, left, so you do this full time. Yes, I do this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So when you wrote it, did you squeeze it in around everything else? I like did. in the mornings and late yeah. at night and all that weekends? I wrote it three o'clock in the morning. I would wake up, but it was like, I, I, it would wake me up. I'd be mm-hmm. so excited to write a scene. You know, I'd be, I couldn't wait to see what it was going to look like at the end. So I would, it would be hard for me to sleep past 3am. Cause I just, I would wake, I'd write after work, maybe starting at nine or 10 o'clock till literally I'd fall asleep with my, with my computer, like my eyes would close. And then I would sleep just long enough that my eyes didn't hurt. So I would wake up at like three. I couldn't wait. So you got like up. four hours of sleep during that time I did. Yeah, I did. But I just kept a schedule. I had, you know, I try to write, I look at it as one to two scenes a day, Mm -hmm. sometimes three if I was off schedule, but (laughs) (laughs) but one to two scenes a day and just plodding along consistently, I got my drafting done and it was, I didn't even know I could do it, but I did it. And it was just exhilarating, you know, and I had an outline. So the outline helped pull me through, you know, I knew what I was writing toward and I knew it was going to, what it was going to be more or less. So it kept me engaged. And did you show anybody or did you like, did, you didn't have a deal at first, right? No. You have to write it. Oh, I didn't you have didn't a deal until well, I have to self publish at the beginning. You know, so. I was going to say that, but I was like, I must have remembered that wrong. Cause it said in one excerpt somewhere that originally it was self-published, yes. but I was like, that can't be cause yes. it's coming out. And- yes. Yes. That's just, oh, it's a long story. So, but I originally finished the manuscript. I and gave, when is this now? This is 2018. Okay. So I gave this to, and I came up with the idea in 2016 a missed, you know, a very yeah. vitriolic environment. And as a woman and as a black woman, these are just thinking about it in layers, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to, to carry and experience. So I wanted to write a story that was going to examine the layers yep. of experience and celebrate, you know, that we still have joy in spite of all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wrote it and I gave the manuscript to my friends and family, my close friend, my French from law school, my dad, who definitely is not trying to finish a book. <laughs> you know, he's really, he's really, really busy and wouldn't necessarily read women's contemporary fiction, but it was his feedback that made me, he was like, yeah, this is really good. And he would not, he doesn't mince words. Mm-hmm. So and he's the doctor. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so he made me realize, okay, maybe I should try to approach agents and see what's going to happen. And when I first did that, the feedback I got overwhelmingly was they felt like Tabby Walker wasn't going to be relatable and wasn't relatable. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what do you mean? <laughs> like, of course she's relate. What, what do you? So I didn't want that to be the last word. And I thought the only way that this wouldn't be the last word is if I just put it out and give it to readers because I knew readers would, were ready for this. Mm-hmm. And readers of all backgrounds, I knew it. I just mm-hmm. believed it. And I think of it as like, doing a trust fall mm-hmm. into a crowd surfing into like what wound up being basically Laker stadium, because in the self-published version, it sold almost 20,000 copies on its oh own. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So good for you. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And it, while I was doing it part-time, but I just, it was such a validation knowing that yes, the market's ready for this 
readers are ready for this. And it was like that trust fall into just hands holding up this project and pushing it forward. And eventually it came to HarperCollins and they were like, yes, we believe in this. And the Harper Perennial team, they've been amazing. We want to amplify this and we want to get it into the hands of everybody who should read this. And so that's been it gives me chills. That like gives me goosebumps. That's so exciting. It's been such an incredible journey. And I and the beautiful part is that it's been readers, we're doing something different together. Mm -hmm. It's a community effort. We're making a change. This is very different. It doesn't usually happen that you know, a book like this or even a book that's been previously published is now getting the amplification in a large traditional platform. So I'm just really excited about that part of the story, even beyond the book. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. This whole thing is just <laughs> the coolest. I'm so excited. And then talk a little bit about all of your involvement helping other authors and helping, oh, yeah. I mean, with all the stuff you're giving back and even like how to write a review that is so smart, like on your yeah, website, like yeah. not just, would you please write a review, but here's how you do it. Go off and do it now. <laughs> I love And all of your involvement. So tell me about that piece. Yeah. Well, I, but I, I write with the reader in mind, you know, mm-hmm. I have a, a marketing background and what that means to me is just being an empath, you know, just thinking about other people first. And I think even as a writer, what is the reader experience going to be? And I think, okay, now what, if I'm going to ask someone to write a review, well, why would a person not write a review? Well, maybe they're just intimidated or they don't know how I've never written a review before, but I really need you to do it. <laughs> so let me help you do it. And it, and it helps you and it helps me. And for change, you know, I, I want there to be diversity in publishing, more diversity. And I think to myself, well, what what's the problem? You know, why are there not as many writers? I, you know, reference my own experience and I can understand it's it's a chilling kind of experience. And if you don't have the wherewithal, like thankfully I knew how to do marketing enough to get my book out yeah. and you know, have it find its own audience to make its way to where it is now. But a lot of people don't have that. So I realized if I really want change, I have to participate more. I can't just write books and, you know, sit back and be like, okay, you know, I have to really do the work. So I teach people marketing. I teach other authors marketing. I teach writing as much as I can. And I'm, I'm trying to help build out the base of people telling their stories so that now, you know, there's more stories for us to pick from as readers. So I just think that's my my job as a as a citizen, you know, in this literary space to, you know, help uh, amplify voices of other people who wouldn't necessarily, you know, rise above the fray and and encourage others to tell their story and and let them know, you know, there's an avenue for you. It's, it's worth it. So, yeah, that's it's just part of it to me. That's what I want to see happen. Wow. We have so much to discuss. <laughs> We're going to have to take this offline. <laughs> this is very exciting. Do you have advice for aspiring authors aside from sort of the perseverance that you were alluding to with finding the right avenue and everything? Yeah, I, I do. I would say, number one, take your ideas seriously. They're not just, it's not some happenstance that it happened to you. It's for you. And if, I, if somebody told me that, you know, and I really believed them, I think I would have started writing earlier because I had so many ideas and I did, I just thought, oh, that's, wasting time. It's daydreaming. It's, you know, it's not real, but it is. Those Mm -hmm. ideas are real. It's up to you to make them real and they have a journey of their own. So trust those ideas and and follow through on them. And I think the other thing I would say is get somebody to read your work who loves it. 
And that encouragement will keep you going. Interesting. Also, tell everybody how you got the title. So when I, in the time I got the idea for the book, I had to think about what was the truth in 2016. We all remember that. <laughs> but just we thought it couldn't get worse than 2020 happened. But 2016, I had to ask myself, what was the truth and reality that I was feeling? And the word that just kept coming up was exhausted. And so what I wanted to do was take that word in a journey and start it as an acknowledgement and then celebration and then a call to inspiration. So really change the meaning of the word. And I feel like in the book, hopefully, that word and the, the phrase black girls must die exhausted is an examination of life and it changes the meaning changes as you go through the book so it ends on a very hopefully inspirational note wow so exciting last question what are some books you like to read when you do find the time so i love contemporary fiction mm-hmm. but i've been reading a lot of other books from other authors now so that's part of the author job that I'm learning. I'm such a newbie to this, but now, (laughs) so you, so I've read some really cool things. I read, it's a book called What Passes is Love. It's by Tricia R. Thomas. And it's a historical fiction novel about a woman who was born a slave, but she's actually, she winds up passing as a white woman in her life. And it's like the journey of her life, it totally changes. Mm. And she's got this dual perspective that's amazing. And there's a a person that was born with her, a man who was born with her beau in as when she was born a slave, they were childhood friends. He winds up following her in her journey and they reconnect later in life. But now she's a white woman and he's still a slave. It's really good. Whoa. So yeah, I'm like, I don't normally read historical that sounds fiction, like a movie. But I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure it, it should be. be a movie. Oh okay. yeah, I'm sure. So that's coming out, I think, in November. I am reading The Soulmate Equation by Christine Warren. That's my kind of Yep, yep you know, contemporary fiction book. And I just read Seven Days in June. With, uh, oh, yeah, T. T. Williams. Williams. Oh, my God, I love that book. I love complex romances. So that's a whole other story of why my personal life. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I love stories of complex romance. So that was excellent. I loved her. She was on the podcast, too. Oh, I love, yeah, I loved you. And I said that she recommended your book. Oh, yeah. For Reese and everything. Or, yeah. You know, you were like I was so excited. She's yeah. She's been amazing. But we met in Bookland. Yeah. So, yeah, she's awesome. I, I love her her work. So yeah. I'm like, this is yeah. great. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Can't wait for parts two and three. Thank is this going to be a movie? Have you had an option yet? We're having conversations. I'm, I'm praying. I real that I do want that. So yeah. we're, we've, there've been some conversations, but nothing. Yet. I oh, have I a good feeling about it. You do? Yeah. Oh, good. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on and thanks for having me. So exciting. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.